Good morning, everybody. Welcome into 104.3 The Fans Coffee Break. Jake Shapiro, Rachel Veal, hang out with you. DMAC soon to join us live from St. Louis. He's already there after the late game here in Denver. Man, he's all over the place. So we're excited to welcome him in. But Jake, a heartbreaker last night for Avalanche fans. A game we all thought was in the bag, and they end up losing 5-4 in OT. Break it down. What ended up happening? Yeah, like... I saw Will was rewatching the game over our colleague, Will Peterson, this morning. Like, I, you know, we just woke up and started doing coffee break, and I was going to watch the game over again this, this in an hour or so. D-Max already in St. Louis. Like, we're on to game six. Like, I'm not over game five yet. We're on to game six. Like, the abs are out there. Like, it, it's on. But, yeah, D-Max should not be in St. Louis. We shouldn't be asking the question of, is – is uh, the goaltending situation okay with Darcy Kemper? We should be like, whoo, a couple of days off abs. Like, this is nice. But yeah, it's a little it's a little concerning, right? Like, I'm a little concerned. Like, you know, the abs have earned the chance to have three opportunities to close the Blues out. They can do it again Friday. They can do it again on Sunday, which will bring a lot of nerves if that happens. But they've earned this opportunity. Uh in the same sense, they were up 3 nothing, and then just stopped playing hockey. And then their best player made the greatest goal you could possibly make, more or less, and said, all right, enough of this. We're, we're done. And then the team said, nah, we're not done. We're still actually going to play. Honestly, I was pretty impressed with the Blues' resilience because I kind of just rubbed them out. I thought they were done. Like I thought it was over. And the Blues came back and fought, and – made uh, our guy DMAC out to be the ultimate jinxer. I know. Okay. So it was, it was a heartbreaker. I mean, ball arena was literally rocking Jake. I have never heard it so loud in my entire life. It was actually crazy, but I mean, I can't believe you're, you're right. The blues resilience, you got to give them credit there, but I just can't believe one Gabe Landeskog with the empty netter, like the, that should have just been it. That should have just sealed the game, right? Like, that should have happened. Why it didn't, I'm not 100% sure. Darcy Kemper, the defense, how, how do you allow this to happen in the playoffs? That's my question. And DMAC is now going to join us live from St. Louis. We're so excited to have him. I can't believe you're in St. Louis already, DMAC. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing great. Can you believe it? I'm back here. I'm going to set this up right on Brett Hull. Okay, um, this is Brett Hall right here. Can you see him? There he is, gotcha, Brett Hall. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to set this up. I just got here. You can see the arena, right? There we mm-hmm. go. And uh, live, live on coffee break. Well, you can tell I'm in St. Louis, so that's good enough, right? Yeah, you you're back in the St. Louis's of St. Louis. Brett Hall, top five, top ten American-born hockey player of all time. Where, where you got him? I, I don't know, and I don't care. I don't care about <laughs> Brett Hall. I don't care about his lineage, and I don't care what he means to the uh, citizens of St. Louis. I really don't care. I just can't believe I'm back here. That's that's what I care about. I'm back here. D-Mac, it looks a little windy there. How yes, is it? yes, yes. It's a little freaking windy here. It's a little overcast here. It's, it's shocking. I think they're lousy. Whoa, look out. Things are lousy in St. Louis. I, I can't believe it. That's... I'll try to hold on to this little stand. Yeah, yeah. Things are crappy and lousy in St. Louis. I know it's a it's a stunning turnaround. <laughs> well, uh, things are crappy 
and lousy last night, D-Mac. We can't believe the Avs lost an overtime game to, you know, clinch the series, to seal it, to be done with St. Louis, to not send you back on an early morning flight. But I asked Jake, where did things go wrong, D-Mac? Well, they got they they um things got flat for them. They 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 got back on their heels, uh, which was terrible for them. Um, they got uh, Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Gabriel Landeskog talked about it. You know, Nathan McKinnon was actually asked, "What could you have done better?" Well, nothing. You know, that would have been the funny answer, right? Like, there, there's nothing more I could have done. I was fantastic, which he which he was. You know, my my guy over here, Gabe, could have hucked it in an empty net. We wouldn't be having this conversation right now. That 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 might have helped a little bit, but um, it's hard to explain because and and I I would need some research help here, Jake and Rachel. Maybe you could help out. Like seriously, has this happened all year? Have the Avs given up a three goal lead at home this entire season? And I don't know. I it, it hasn't struck me that they have, but I I don't know. So it's a bummer, man. It's a bummer. Jake's on it because he is an awesome researcher. But DMAC, I know you had an early morning flight. You texted me at like 11 o'clock last night when we both got home and you were like, I'm going to be in St. Louis for coffee break. So tell us about your travels so far this morning. Well, nothing special. You just get on a plane and you go, you know, and then you what get on What time did you get to the airport? And then you... I got to the airport at 5 o'clock, 5.30 in the morning, you know, and then, you know, it's... I just did it. You know, that, that's okay. I don't know even where I'm staying. I swear to God, I, I have no clue. I'm not staying at the same place. I was staying at that hotel right there, which was awesome, that place. But now now I, I'm, I'm staying, I don't know, I'm staying down. I don't even know what the hell that is down there. I'm going that way. And the arch, ah, you can't quite see the arch from here. The arch is that way. And that's where Nolan Arnold lives, down, uh, down, I think it's Curtis Street or Marketplace. or I, I don't freaking know. You know, uh, although I'm getting to know um, things here in St. Louis better. Well, hopefully this is the last time that you're well, making any trip. There, hold on. There he is. Do you see him, Stuart Ryan O'Reilly? No? Right oh, there. Yep. Somewhere. I got you. I got you. Uh, yeah. I've got a similar Am I making everybody sick by walking around? DMAC, I've got a similar stat for you, but I don't have the three goal one off the top real quickly. At yeah. home, when yeah. leading after two periods this year, the Avalanche were 22-0-3. So only three overtime losses, never lost in regulation. So last night, an overtime loss after leading wow. two periods. Well, there you go. And, and you know, you, everybody's, like, ripping me for being a jinx. The only thing I was, the only thing I was reflecting was the history of the team and, and what they've been doing. So, all right, I'm a jinx. I have super magical powers. You know, yeah. I, I I am Harry Potter. I'm not a muggle. I, I guess I have that sort of influence on the world. I, I think I'm going to buy some scratch-offs, really, with that power. But what, what I was reflecting on is just the presence and the existence of the team itself and who they are. That was not who they were. I, I, I don't know what that was last night, guys. Um, Rachel, you were sitting right next to me. We couldn't believe what was happening as it was happening. And, mm-hmm. and then when you get into overtime, guys, like, anything can happen. And even Jared Bednar said he was happy with the way they played in overtime. Um, and then you look at Darcy Kemper, really. Uh, and I asked him if, if he was even going to consider a goaltending change, and he said no. So, so here we go. I guess it's Dar- Darcy Kemper one way or the other. That being said, look how the Avs have played on the road in Nashville and in St. Louis, okay? 
they've, they've dominated these places top to bottom. So I don't think we should be freaking out. You know, listen, I'll tell you this. It, it, it seems crazy, Rachel. I was sitting with you just a few hours ago. Now I'm in freaking stupid St. Louis. But the, my, my point with that is things can change quickly, but you can also rest and recover quickly. So it's not end of days. So stop crying in your milk or whatever they drink here in St. Louis and just be they'll, – they'll be fine. I really do think they'll be fine, Okay. So I don't think – I think like Gabe Landeskog said, we'll dwell on it for like three minutes and move on. Nobody said this was going to be easy, and, um, and nor should it be to win a championship. And it's not. And we're proving it because I'm in stupid St. Louis again. Well, D-Mac, I got one more question for you, and then we'll have Jake ask one more, and we'll let you go find your hotel. But Nathan McKinnon's goal for the hat trick was absolutely incredible. Yeah. It sent Twitter into a spiral. Where does it rank in your top goals that you've witnessed? It's the greatest goal I've ever seen, period, in person. And, you know, I've been watching hockey for 40 years. And uh, I've, I, I worked with the Buffalo Sabres. I've been covering the abs since 1999. I've, I've never seen a better individual goal than what we saw from Nathan McKinnon, especially when you consider um, it was for a hat trick, that they had given up a three-goal lead, that it was it, was, it should have propelled them to a um, Western Conference Finals for the first time in 20 years. I mean, when you put all of that together, uh, it was it was the greatest goal, individual goal I've seen. Never mind just the skill level that it took from behind the net, the speed, uh, the, the work with the puck, with the stick. I mean, just everything about it was incredible. But Nathan said after the game, I was happier after game four because we won. And so the, the incredibleness of the goal, sadly, is not nullified, but perhaps modified by the fact they lost the stupid game. So, um, no, it was, it was an amazing moment. Again, and I was at Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals when they won 3-1 over Jersey. I've never heard that place that loud. That was the loudest I've ever heard that place for a hockey game, ever. So it was amazing. DMAC, looking at last night's game, that third goal to tie it before the McKinnon goal came off of a line change. And the Avs have allowed a couple goals here off of line changes. Normally, the Avs are a great puck possession team, so their line changes are coming when they throw the puck in. No problem. They'll, they'll skate off, maybe change one at a time. But they let off the gas late in game, and some of these line changes have been a struggle while, while they're hemmed in. Have you noticed that as well? And do you think the Avs are going to try to keep the, the pressure on? I mean, Bednar said last night, the hammer and the nail. We got to just continue to be the hammer. Yeah, it's a good observation, Jake. Um, they've talked about it. They, they recognize that it's been an issue. Um, and certainly it allowed a, a sloppy goal. Um, I, I, that's a tricky one because usually that's just a, a thing of repetition that you just kind of – you get in the flow of things, but nothing was in the flow. And I, I listen, first of all, let's give St. Louis a little credit, okay? It was the first time in the entire series where they actually looked like they were doing something. They weren't just recovering. They looked like they actually had a, a pretty solid plan. So I, I got to give them credit that they were taking advantage of situations. So I give them props. I hate to give them props, but I will because they earned it, no doubt about it. All right, DMAC. Well, again, safe travels. Thank you so much for hopping on. I know you literally got off the plane within less than an hour. So thank you so much. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Here, there's a security guy. He's going to, oh, he's going to wave at me? No. I'm gonna, I was going to do something stupid, but I actually don't want to do it because that's actually a person. 
Abs and six. Abs and six. Abs and six. Now some other people are looking at me. Now I'm leaving. Goodbye. Bye, DMAC. Thank you. Where's my hotel? I got to find my hotel. Well, we got round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Obviously, game six. We love DMAC. We appreciate him. He is so much fun. I think that's why people love him, too, is because he's just all over the place. He'll tell you exactly what's on his mind. He wants to show everybody different things. He's so much fun. But, yeah, <laughs> I'm glad he made it there safely. So, like, I don't know where St. Louis ranks among his worst cities in America, but he obviously thinks the S in St. Louis stands for stupid and the L stands for lousy. Uh, he made that very clear. And I just want to, like, have a battle off with him because it's, it's my least favorite city in America. I hate St. Louis. Like, I, I never want to go to St. Louis. So I'm glad DMAC's there and not me. But, like, I, I'd love to duke it out with DMAC and figure out who hates St. Louis more. I mean, my, I, I grew up with a family of Cub fans. They, they embedded in me a hatred of the Cardinals. Like, I don't really care anymore. But, like, you know, the, the Chicagoans in them are like, oh, we throw our trash down the river and St. Louis is the ones who mops it up. Uh, so there is this ultimate hatred that comes of St. Louis from other people in the Midwest. And I'm glad it's spreading out to Colorado. I'm not glad it took six games for the abs to perhaps do this, but I'm, I'm glad people are coming around to the idea that St. Louis is really bad. And unfortunately, Nolan Arenado for him has to spend the rest of his baseball career out there. Listen, DMAC is in St. Louis probably before this Colorado Avalanche team in St. Louis. That's dedication on his part. We, again, appreciate everything that he does for us on the digital side, on the radio side. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at DMAC Radio. He'll keep you up to date on all of his adventures in St. Louis and hopefully the win tomorrow night. But let's break down this game a little bit more, Jake, because truthfully – this team didn't really play all that well, except for Nathan McKinnon, who literally carried this team on the back. I mean, if you look at the plus minuses, like there is no wonder. Okay, so Arturi Lekkanen had one and Gabe Landeskog had two. Otherwise, everyone was zero or negative besides Nathan McKinnon. So truthfully, no one really stepped up to the plate. If you look at the blue stat line too, I mean, they had people who were all over the place. It just wasn't because Nathan McKinnon, it felt like a much closer game in reality. It really wasn't yeah this might be a hot take considering you're you've got the plus minuses up there with Nachishkin and Ratanen uh, I thought actually both of them were pretty good last night like I thought both of them were fine the Avs problem last night was that Helm Logan O'Connor Cogliano line almost all of the chances St. Louis generated was off of that line uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see some big changes in the Avs fourth line, whether you see McDermott play as a forward, um, maybe something like, uh, you know, you put Stern back in there. We haven't seen from him uh, in a little bit. You know, New Hook's obviously been a guy that's been out, out and down. Um, so, yeah, I want to see some changes. I thought Jack Johnson was pretty rough last night as well. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Ryan Murray in that spot. Uh, but Jack Johnson is is a is a been playing on the right side and Ryan's a left-handed defenseman. So uh, what we're going to see, I'm not sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if Kendall, Jared Bednar actually makes some changes. Uh, unlike the critics that uh, thinks he makes no changes. So yeah. And Bednar has been pretty willing, honestly, to make changes throughout the series. And most of the time you see coaches in the NHL and the, especially in a playoff series, they don't change the lineup at all. If they win a game, it's just kind of like, 
it's not even a, a, a matchup thing. It's more of why would I change this? The luck of this worked. So yeah, you, you know what you just showed, obviously McKinnon was the best player last night, but I honestly thought the gap from McKinnon to the other abs wasn't as great as maybe the, the goal number showed, but some of the bottom tier players last night were just brutal for the abs. Yeah, that's where it hurt, right? It usually comes down to when you get into this playoff run, it comes down to depth. We've talked about the depth of this team over and over and over again, and we're so lucky because they're incredibly deep. But last night, it just seemed like everybody kind of stopped and watched Nathan McKinnon do his thing and almost expected him to carry them on, especially, like you said, that fourth line. You know, most of the time, and I think this comes from basketball, um, most of the time – People think, oh, Jason Tatum, he's got to step up if the Boston Celtics are going to win. Nathan McKinnon, he's got to step up if, if the Avs are going to win. Most of the time, when you get this deep into the Stanley Cup, guys like Gabriel Landeskog, Nathan McKinnon, and the other team's guys, like a David Perron and a Ryan O'Reilly, kind of cancel each other out. Mm-hmm. It's whether your defense can score goals and your third-line guys, third- and fourth-line guys, can they step up, give you a shift, maybe net one? And if we're in a situation where the abs are producing those goals, like earlier on in this series where they were getting stuff from like JT conference, stuff like that. They were getting good scoring chances from those guys. That's what's going to take them over the top. I mean, Nathan McKinnon can carry the abs as, as much as he wants, but you saw last night, Nathan McKinnon carried the abs. He won the game for them quite literally. And they still lost it. The NHL playoffs, the Stanley cup playoffs comes down to third liners and second line defense. It's like the most frustrating thing because you can build the best team up top, but all of the best teams that are left all have that guy. I saw someone tweet last night, Nathan McKinnon's got to be the best hockey player in the world. I got news for you. The Avs, if they make it to the next round, they're going to run into a fella named Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid is way better than Nathan McKinnon. And I mean, you could make the argument, blah, 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 either way, but my point is they're going to cancel each other out. Leon Dreisaitl and, and Gabriel Landeskog, they're going to cancel each other out. It comes down to that depth. Listen, if you're an Avalanche fan, this series, you are a Calgary Flames because you're right. We do not want to see Edmonton in the next round. That whole team scares me. I'm nervous. You know, if we can't handle the Blues in appropriate ways, the Edmonton Oilers really scare me. I disagree. I'd rather face Calgary. Uh, oh no yeah i would rather face all right, no i'd rather face edmonton I, i'm sorry I, I yeah i got confused i'd rather face edmonton uh Why? yeah Connor mcdavid and leon Dreisaitl are amazing but mike smith is a, is is awful okay. at this point in his career they have no goaltending uh but they can have darcy no, stop it uh, darcy's better than mike smith darcy's okay. unquestionably better than mike smith they you know they've got duncan keith on the back end who's won two norrises but he's in the twilight of his career they've got a uh, nurse who's a decent defenseman as well but they've got no depth that team is like seven players deep and they're going to run them into the ground. And this late in the playoffs, they might be a little tired even, which rarely happens in hockey. So uh, if they're gassed, like Calgary was a great team this regular season. Calgary's got a fella named Johnny Goudreau. As we talk about great American born hockey players, Johnny's just, a, J- Johnny's right there with like Brett Holen guys. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think that Calgary team, you know, you look at their defensemen and, and they've got some good depth on that, on that, D, D side too, to the point where they just let Mark Giordano walk to Seattle. So uh, I'm more scared of Calgary, the Denver of Alberta, apparently, than I am of Edmonton. I think Edmonton's not that much to be scared of besides the fact that they have Connor McDavid who could just change a game. But I don't think Connor McDavid could change a series. Ooh, 
okay, okay, I like that. Well, that series is still going on too. I believe Edmonton leads over Calgary 2-1 and they will play tonight, 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time. So yeah, make sure you're paying attention to that series. We're going to learn a lot about what the Avs could potentially see. We obviously have to win game six in St. Louis. Uh, but last night I was listening to the post-game show on 104.3 The Fan and Sandy said that they should sit Darcy Kemper. Now, I disagree. I think if you go sit Darcy, you are telling this team it's time to panic when really they need to look at it as like what Gabe said, bad three, or we need to look at it for three minutes and we need to directly move on. For you, do you agree? Do you sit Darcy or can they even win with Fransos? You are not winning a Stanley Cup with Pavel Fransos. <laughs> you might win a Stanley Cup with Darcy Kemper. I'm not sure that he's the guy who can get it done, but there's at least a possibility. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I laid out the scenario on Coffee Break a couple days ago. The only way I'm pulling Darcy Kemper at this point is not if Darcy Kemper is not performing. It's if the team comes out flat in game six and allows three goals in the first seven minutes or so. And I'm talking about it's not Darcy's fault. Like, they're one-timers, they're deflections, and the Blues are out shooting the Avs 15-3. to three, And you're like, you know what? Screw this. We're not wasting Darcy Kemper on this game six when you guys did not show up. And that's when you put Francois in there to maybe change the mentality of the guys. But I expect the Avs to come out with their butts on fire in game six. And they're 2-0 and on the road in this series. And I'd expect them to, to show some desperation once again. And although their backs are not up against the wall and game six is not a must win because must wins only exist in sports when you're down to your final game of the season like the Blues were yesterday, True. I think the Avs are going to approach this with a mentality of we don't want to find out what can happen in a game seven. Oh, gosh. And I don't want to either. I don't think I can handle that anticipation of having to wait for a game seven. So again, let this get it done in St. Louis. Let's hope DMAC never has to return to St. Louis ever, ever again for many, many years to come. And let's just get this series over with so he can say, I left St. Louis with a win. But the Denver Broncos, there's new people in the ownership discussion. So we've known about a few groups, including Rob Walton, um, the hair of Walmart, I guess, and then Josh Harris, an owner of the 76ers. But now we've got Matt Ishbaugh and Justin Ishbaugh. So they both are now in the discussions, both worth quite a lot of money. If you look at it, Forbes estimates Matt Ishbaugh's net worth of 4.5. Um, and then the Bloomington or Bloomberg Billionaires Index, excuse me, has him at $5.25 billion. That's so much. And then they have got Justin down at 1.4. So he's a private equity firm partner, um, a founding partner. But these two, they're in talks. And you know what? I'm kind of here for it, Jake. I like it. I like that these are kind of names we've never heard of. One, Justin's got a dog with him in this picture. So we love to see that. I can't complain if someone's going to have a dog in the picture with him. But I like that they're not involved in any other sports that we know of at the moment. Again, this is really recent news that we've all kind of found out. So I'm here for it. I like the smaller names being included in this. I, I like that. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know that anyone who has a net worth of $10 billion is a small name because it's roughly the same as what Stan Kroenke has. Maybe we just haven't heard of him because they're not in the sectors we follow, and that's fair. True. Um, 
mortgages and uh, the American economy can be a very dirty game, as we found out in uh, the early 2000s, uh, about a decade ago. Uh, but what I will say about these fellas is, is uh, the second fella, the, the, the older brother, uh, Justin, I believe his name is, mm-hmm. he's from Winneka, Illinois, uh, where uh, my family is actually from. Uh, they both, I think are Jewish. I think they're from a Jewish family. Uh, and they seem like decent dudes. Like, you know, the Matt threw out, I think $32 million back to Michigan state recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're donating to public institutions and obviously they care a lot about Michigan, Michigan state. Matt is a former Michigan state Spartan played on the team with Tom Izzo for three years, won a national championship, uh, was more of a reserve walk on fella, but you know, was a contributor nonetheless. Those guys worked their butts off. So I like the fact that he's been in a situation where he's been around a successful sports team. I like the Mm -hmm. fact that he's been in a situation where he had to work his butt off. I do kind of, uh, and this is the case even with Rob Walton, I kind of get my hands a little scared when I'm, when I'm thinking about maybe a rookie owner, but I almost, and, and maybe this is my bias being a younger guy, I, I kind of more biased to the younger guys. I, I think maybe they'll approach it with some unique perspective. They obviously, you know, took over the mortgage game with a unique perspective. So maybe they can bring some of that to uh, sports ownership. Uh, being 44 and 41, whatever they are, they're in their early 40s compared to 77 like Rob Walton, you know, makes me think that they're going to want to sustain success rather than you look at like something like the Miami Dolphins ownership with Art Ross at University of Michigan instead of Michigan State. He's towards the end of his life and they're constantly just throwing money trying to win now and they never seem to accomplish anything. The one addendum I will add to this that kind of contricts every single thing I've said I, I don't like Michigan State. I think Tom Izzo is a fraud. I think he's one of the worst things that has happened to college basketball. Uh, Mel Tucker get lost. Uh, I, I hate everything about East Lansing. Uh, Magic, jo- I guess Magic Johnson's involved with one of the other groups. So it's like, you know, uh, it's going to be a Michigan State Spartan that's going to have something to do with the Denver Broncos soon. And I, I don't like it. Oh my goodness. I love that you made it just a teeny bit personal take uh, with Michigan State. But I I do like the idea of it not being, I know I said not being a big name, which how can you not be a big name if you've got million or billions of dollars? But I do like that maybe we haven't heard about them. And I like the part that you bring about their age too, of maybe they'll bring something different to the table, a little bit younger. You know, you're obviously when you buy into a team, Tim Connolly just did this with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like anytime you can be a part of ownership, like you are pretty much creating chances for generations and generations to come well which is really cool to see but you know we all loved Pat Bolin for a reason here in Denver and that's because he cared so much and because he was a younger owner when he had the Broncos um obviously rest in peace to him and obviously his entire family but uh I I like that idea of hopefully they're involved they're at the games they are just more than just somebody signing the bills if you know what I mean and I'm not sure what their family situation is. And yeah. Pat Bowen did create general generational wealth. I mean, his, his family's about to make a lot of money, but the plan of maybe having his family be the future owners of the Broncos obviously did not work out. And mm-hmm. if that's the plan for these brothers to have their family have something to keep, that might not work out. So uh, I just look at it for the now. And the other thing that is a little bit scary when you talk about maybe a, a lesser name and, and someone that's not as flashy, 
when these two dudes walk into an NFL owners meeting, they're not going to garner the same respect as someone like a Jeff Bezos, just to throw out a name. So, or Robert Smith, even who's, who's been bidding on, on the Broncos. So uh, there are positives and negatives to being younger people in those rooms um, and being completely new to those rooms. Oh, I like the point you bring up there too, Jake. Job well done. Well, let's talk a little bit more and maybe some less serious Broncos stuff, including billions of dollars. But Russell Wilson posted on his Instagram story yesterday a bunch of Bronco helmets. Now, we're not exactly sure what these all are. Obviously, that's the normal helmet we've seen. But you're going to see some camo ones here. Um, we saw those white ones, just a bunch of different ones. And we're not exactly sure, like I said, what the heck is going on with them. But there's some pretty cool ones, and then there's some that I actually don't really love. So, Jake, I figured you and I could rate some of the ones that we see. So, obviously, these white and orange ones, uh, very interesting. The black and orange, we got the camo, and then we've got, like, the shiny orange way down on the right side of the picture. Um, so, I figured, let's rate them. Why not, right? Yeah. Wait, Rachel, you said they have camo? I didn't even see them. Oh. My goodness, so hard to see, so hard to see, Jake. All right, well, uh, Jake, how do you want to do this rating system? Obviously, you and I have graded before. We could grade them. How, what, how are you feeling? I think we give them five Bronco heads to one Bronco head, five being the best. So Okay, one, okay. Bronco- put those pictures back up. Let's do yeah. this. 30 seconds, you and I will grade them. Okay. Uh, I'll start. I'm going to go with those white ones as two Bronco heads. I don't like the matte look. I think it looks better in white than the blue. So the blue I'm giving one, uh, Bronco head, the camo I'm giving zero, uh, Bronco heads. I I'm not a big fan of camo design. Uh, the blue ones that look maybe just a little shinier than normal. Those are four. Those are pretty cool. The orange, I don't mind. Those are three Bronco heads. So I've got, uh, none, one, two, three, and four. (laughs) Okay, so the white ones, I'm giving one. Yeah, I don't like them. Um, It's almost just like too busy with also just being too plain. The blue, black color, whichever one you want to go with there, I'm going to give it a three. I actually don't mind it at all. The camo, I'm going to give it two. Um, The other like blue shiny ones, I'm going to give a four like you did. And then I'm going to give the shiny orange ones a three. So again, we're not exactly sure what these are supposed to be for this upcoming season. There's obviously a lot of them. Um, Russell Wilson was signing a bunch too for autographs, but it makes for a very interesting conversation of when the heck are we going to see all of these? Because there are definitely a lot of them there. I'm guessing these are promotional and he's signing them for autographs for maybe different people. Like if they had to do with something with the army or something, uh, mm-hmm. they're doing the camo ones, but I wouldn't be surprised if those orange ones maybe are the color rush uniforms. Uh, we know this year, the, the, the Broncos and the NFL are actually allowed to have more than one helmet per team, which they limited back down to one uh, about 10 years ago because it was a safety issues and they didn't want guys switching helmets. So I think they can use even more than two, uh, it's been rumored the Broncos are going to bring back the, the D helmet uh, as an alternate this year, um, which we both, I think, would rather see than any of these. Uh, the white one, I wouldn't mind as like a one-off alternate, honestly, but I couldn't see that for more than one game. But I think the only one we probably could even possibly see on the field is that orange one. Yeah, definitely interesting. Um, obviously, we're here for any different kind of color uniforms to an extent they can't be too dramatic in my personal opinion and more uniform talk tomorrow 
True. More uniform talk tomorrow. Lots to discuss. Honestly, the Broncos also having their presser here in about 30 minutes. So we'll get all the details that we need there. Uh, Tim Connolly was supposed to be speaking today, Jake. You were supposed to go. That um, got pushed now for the, or not Tim Connolly, excuse me, Josh Kroenke, even bigger name now, um, was supposed to be talking today. He is not. He is supposed to talk next Tuesday. So make sure you stay tuned to DenverFan.com. We'll keep everybody updated on all the Josh Kroenke, hopefully figuring out the TV deals, practice facilities, all the talk we've been talking about. But again, we'll be back again tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. I hope you all have a wonderful Thursday, and we'll see you guys later. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, Rachel.